does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. And we are back. Kevin's Corner here on a Monday, June 5th, Monday morning. Uh, we are in the final week of Colts OTAs. Next week will be the final week of the spring offseason program. Uh, got a look at the Colts on Friday at their second OTA session. And we'll get another one here coming up on Wednesday. And then minicamp next week will probably be midweek for a pod just to recap, put a bow tie on the spring offseason program. Uh, by that point, it'll be at least, I think, two, maybe three more viewings of them. So it'll be good to kind of go over that. Again, we've got written notebooks up on the website recapping all the OTAs. Uh, we will touch on that today. Bernard Ryman interview, a little bit of a Frankfurt, Germany-centric one uh, coming up later in the show. Eddie Garrison, this might be better for a topic late June, July. I think you could make a pretty strong debate. Bernard Ryman is one of the most important Colts on this team, bar none, coming into the season. And I say that individually for his own good and for the team. You know, both of those things. Quiddy Pay, I think, would fall into that category as well. Got something up on the website with him. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of it all, how you doing, man? Doing well. It's been a, it's been a minute since we've had a pod. Like we find out who the Indianapolis five hundred winner was. Uh Found out who won the Detroit or whatever the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix uh-huh. yesterday. What else do we have? A game well, we in the NBA, NBA Finals. It's one one. Yeah. We've got a little college baseball picking up steam. NBA draft two and a half weeks away. If anybody feels the urge for a Pacers podcast, let us know. You know, I know some people mentioned maybe a Pacers draft podcast. Curious what that audience would look like. Um, if we get a little bit, you know, of nice feedback on that, maybe we'll do that coming up in two weeks because the draft is two and a half weeks away. And, and I do jo- enjoy this part of the NFL calendar, Eddie, because I do feel like you still get some access. It's not like the most serious amount of stuff. And I guess I'll just start here. Maybe I shouldn't be as shocked. And really, it might be just the type of player and prospect that he is. It is wild to me how much Anthony Richardson content blows up. Uh huh. So I'm sitting there Friday. At the OTA, and typically what I like to do is, you know, I like to kind of just tweet out a general picture of like what I'm viewing. You know, I'm a huge believer in the phrase "use your credential." Like, yeah, I have access that I'm very lucky and grateful to have. Also, it's my job. I'm going to report what I see, and again, we'll context around what I see here on the podcast and written work and on the radio, etc. But I always like to kind of set the scene. And it got an about, I think we actually have a Twitter question on this, but it got about 10, 15 minutes into the viewing or uh, into the shooting period. So, camera shooting, et cetera, et cetera, your ability to take pictures and, and videos. And I had realized that I kind of just got in conversation. I forget if I was talking to Matt Taylor or who, who I was talking to. And I'm like, oh, I should probably, you know, send out a video of just, you know, Richardson and the quarterbacks. Um, so, I go over and get a little bit of a better angle on this Richardson drill. And it was kind of a scramble drill, roll to the right. And I was like, oh, this will be good because I remember Will Hewlett, the QB coach who we we played that interview on the podcast a few weeks back, he mentioned that rolling to his right was something Richardson was working on. So basically, you roll to your right, you get flushed out of the pocket, and I say that in quotes, and then you throw on the run to a net that has a little hole in the net, Uh you know, know, kind of a little dartboard or some 
Whoa. Boy, I almost broke this chair here. Probably a little, little Sunday night pizza. Probably not, not helping me. You keep me. going down. Now, now I've shrunk to about four foot eight here. In, in the old studio, from what, from um, from my perspective, all I see is like shoulders and neck and head. That's it. Well, you know what? No as arms, long, no hands. As long as I got the voice, I I guess that's all that matters there. <laughs> um, so Richardson rolls to his right, you know, throws it, uh, great throw, throws it into the you know again dartboard bullseye type area. He reacts, you know, celebrating. Gardner Minshew had a nice celebration as well. I tweet out the video and. Dude, it is just amazing mm-hmm. how much that takes off. And the very next drill, he rolls to his left and misses the uh, target. Which again, it's not like easy to necessarily hit this target. It, it's a you know probably if you know one and three, one and four. I mean, it's it, it's not necessarily a given that you hit the target. But I don't tweet that video out. I didn't even film that video. I you know just wanted to do one, and I don't want to you know put too much content out there. But all of a sudden, I'm just like, man. People are enamored and obsessed with it. And again, some of it probably has to do with this fan base and the fact that you've been waiting for something like this. I think a lot of it has to do with Richardson. Like, if that was Will Levisetti, would it have the same sort of draw? If it was CJ Stroud, would it have the same sort of draw? Or is it the fact that he is this unknown created player? Is that more of it? I think it's more so the, the aspect of just him being such an unknown. Yeah. Like yeah. a wild card, essentially. Curiosity. Yep. You have so much curiosity with him as a player and as a prospect. So we'll get into that. Um, again, the Bernard Ryman interview coming up, Twitter questions. I, I did want to mention the Burchard Perriman news, Eddie. Um, this was after the Colts OTA came to a close on Friday, but Adam Schefter tweeted out the Colts are working out Perriman and that um, in discussions about him signing there. You know, we mentioned a few pods ago. June first is kind of the date where you tend to see some veteran moves. The Colts, mm-hmm. uh, was it Gennard Avery uh, that they signed last week, mm-hmm. a defensive end. So you know, you can see some veterans. Listeners of this podcast over the years will have heard this phrase quite often: "Always kick the tire on former first round picks." You always do it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge, huge believer of that. The difference with Paramanetti, that dude hasn't sniffed one season of his career where he ever looked like a first round pick. I believe 30, I want to say it's 36 catches, the most he's had in a season. Um, he's now 29 years old. So, you know, as much as the headline reads, uh, former first round pick, you know, Colts looking into signing former first round pick wideout, the more accurate statement is probably Colts looking to sign a bit of June scraps. Maybe it's too harsh on Perriman. Um, I am for adding a veteran in that wideout room, but again, this is what you get in June. And it's a guy that has not really ever sniffed the first-round expectation you would have, even second, third-round expectation you would have for him. Um, the, the thing that probably stands out the most about his resume, he has averaged 16 yards per catch in his career. Yep, That's a pretty good number. And obviously Richardson, you know, theoretically, if he's going to start more games, you know, can you tap into some of that big play potential there? Um, but he's bounced around to a handful of teams. And, you know, where does he fit? You know, if you're going to make a 53-man roster at wideout right now, you've got Pittman, you've got Pierce, you've got Downs. Those three are locks. I think Ashton Doolin's a lock. That's four. I assume Isaiah McKenzie makes the team. Mm-hmm. That's five. Do you keep a sixth? Who is the sixth? I think Perriman may also play special teams. I, I'd have to look have into it. I think Typically, first-round wideouts don't, but... It's not like he's played a ton of 
you know, wide out in his league, at least to the point where you feel like, oh boy, we have to, we have to protect him. You know, he's he's a you know, critical piece to our offensive picture here. But I think it's just something to keep an eye on as we get into the final week of OTAs. And then next week when we have the three-day minicamp, you know, this is when the Mike Adams signing happens. Um, I think Zach Paschal, if I'm not mistaken, last year it was Afadi Odeniabo yep. in June. You know, that's when these sorts of things can happen. So um, I do think it's just something to monitor. You see it around the league. I saw Joe Haig was just released by the Browns. Opens up $2 million for them to sign DeAndre Hopkins. Would you say over-under... Ryan Grixon, five drafts, 2012 to 2016. Over under five and a half players still left from those five drafts. Under. Off the top of my head, Dorsett, Ryan Kelly. Is he on an active roster, Dorsett? I I thought he was. Henry Anderson. Benzel Good. Oh, boy. Austin Blythe. Is the Raven Clark still hanging on by a thread somewhere? <laughs> yeah, I I have no idea, but that just popped in my head. Uh, I do not. Uh, Blythe is no longer in the NFL. Really? Didn't he start in the Super Bowl for the Rams? He did. Yeah, that's a quick sort of boom to boom. Uh, okay, well, that's a worthless question. Um, should we move into OTAs? Yeah, so obviously the big storyline um, from Friday's practice session or OTA session, however phrasing you want to use it, uh, yeah. was Gardner Minshew. He took all the first-team reps, and Anthony Richardson took all the second-team reps. Yeah, and again, Eddie, I'll preface this by the same sort of phrase that I used last week when we began that pod of, we get to watch one in OTA week. There's been, I think, six of them by now, maybe seven of them, so we've seen a third of them. And so who knows? Maybe the plan is different week in and week out, but I will continue to report what I see. And there were eight starting reps last Tuesday, or uh, excuse me, last Friday, and it was all Gardner Minshew. Richardson got 12 total snaps, but uh, they were with the second unit. Uh, Richardson did have a really nice two-minute drill to end practice, got them in field goal range, the backup kicker, Havarisk or something or other, missed a uh, missed an extra point. Or excuse me, I missed a field goal there. Uh, I did pull up the Paraman. Um, 41 special team snaps last year for yep. him. Uh, before that, he played six in his career. So his, his career has gotten to the point now where it's like, yeah, dude, you got to play special teams. Um, so, you know, what do you make of the Minshew, you know, Richardson reps? I think it'll be much easier, Eddie, once we get into minicamp and you see multiple practices in a row. Certainly once you get into training camp mm-hmm. to have more concrete info. But, again, I think it's worth pointing out that Minshew took them all. Um, I thought he was pretty solid. He was 4 of 6. Uh, Minshew had a deep ball to Ashton Doolin. That was nice. Malik Turner dropped one of his incompletions there. Uh, you know, Richardson, both of them did struggle in one 7-on-7 seven seven period. It was probably the worst probably the worst I've seen Richardson in a single period in the, what is this now, four times we've seen him, I guess, in the rookie minicamp practices. But overall, I thought he had a nice day. Um, you know, I always enjoy the two-minute drills because I think it's competitive. Yeah. I think it's a bit of unscripted nature. Uh, you got to kind of think quick on your feet. We've talked about it with Richardson. There is a lack of experience. Yes, we all can look at the back of his baseball card and see 13 games played. That's obvious. But, Eddie, there's also a lack of, like, in-game moments where the pressure rises. And two-minute is one of that. Um, this is a good session for him. Um 
Other things to note, Michael Pittman out with a hip injury. Braden Smith was back to practice. The pass catchers in general just unfortunately have not been out there a whole lot. Pierce mm-hmm. was back, but we haven't had Pittman, haven't had downs for either of these two. Still no Drew Ogletree, still no Jelani Woods, no Will Mallory, uh, the Miami tight end, the rookie. Foot, foot uh, a couple no, a couple weeks that he has been out. Foot or leg? I, I think it was foot. Um, I think leg was Braden Smith. Um but you know who has, I think, stepped up nicely and has made the most of a good amount of reps is Kylan Granson. And it obviously is a big year for him, heading into year three uh, of his rookie contract. Um, I thought he probably was like the one that I've noticed the most now, you know, back-to-back week. Um, you know, going back to the reps, you know, Shane Steichen kind of downplayed it post-practice. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried to ask him, hey, is the plan still to split it? And you know, if anyone has watched Shane Steichen press conference so so far, you ask and then you hope because you know, <laughs> yeah. he's not you know just taking questions and and really expansive on them. You know, we still haven't seen Shaq Leonard. I'm probably repeating what I said last week, Eddie, but my opinion on Shaquille Leonard has changed none. Wasn't there a video on social media? Really. I thought I saw a video a couple days ago. Of him participating in OTAs? Of him doing like a workout on the field by himself. Okay, maybe there's that. He has not participated in front of us in the OTAs. Um, Again, my opinion on him is like the exact same it was when he met the media probably about a month ago. It's He felt like he rushed it last year in OTAs, and given that, I would assume he's going to be super cautious and probably not give it a go this spring, and I'm good with it. Because it's all going to come down to training camp. And, you know, the extra six weeks, what does that do for him? Obviously, that will be something that we'll be monitoring a whole lot at Grand Park. But, you know, to me, it, it's it's more of a my red flag skepticism grows if he opens up camp on the pup list. You know, that's when you're kind of like, oh, boy, this thing is still a huge, huge storyline there. So I look at it, you kind of got one shot with him. I'm good with him waiting until camp. Sure, ideally, he'd be doing something right now in teamwork, but um, he's such an instinctual player like that. I think you know ramping it up in a month of training camp sessions matters more to me. Uh, Rigoberto Sanchez doing some punting. Good. So he's starting to get back. Boy, every time you hear that story, Eddie, I just think back to freaking Taron Achilles running sprints. To end that practice at Grand Park, he did mention it. It was a the Achilles on his kicking leg, which you know better than his plant leg from a left leg standpoint. And I would say probably the newsiest item, I guess, before we get to that, Julian Blackman to strong safety. Um, you know what a big year for him in a contract year. I'm probably still on the. I think Julian Blackman can be a pretty good player for you. I I, I don't know. I feel like people like have written him off a little bit here. And I really like him. I think he's super instinctual. The strong safety thing is kind of appealing because I don't think we look at the strong safety position in the NFL anymore as like 6'2", 220-pound thumper. Nope. I think you want a guy that can be physical when you ask him to play near the line of scrimmage. And I think Blackman has been that in his career. But I also think in today's NFL, you want more of a coverage guy at strong safety, whereas you know I think the or the Previous thought was, hey, the free safety is more of the cover guy and the strong safety is more of the box guy, if you will. 
And Blackman, I think, has history in you know being more of a cover guy, whether it was his corner history at Utah, a little bit of slot action he did last year. Obviously, he's primarily been a free safety of the Colts. So right now it's Blackman and Rodney Thomas back there. I know there are some Nick Cross-related questions on that, so we'll get to those in uh, in Twitter questions. But important year for a guy like Blackman, who has made a couple of plays when we've been out there here so far. And I guess last news item from Friday, Eddie, and feel free to chime in with anything, is a wrinkle to training camp this year, and that will be two different joint sessions. Yep. So Shane Sykin did this in Philly. And it makes total sense to me. I think if you can make it work, do it. Um, the first joint practice will be with the Bears. Certainly coaching connections between the Bears and the Colts. Right now, we have no official training camp schedule. Selfishly, and honestly, I think for fans, it'd be nice if they would re- release that schedule as soon as possible. I mean, you got some fans that want to drive in from two three hours away um, that would love to see the, see the Colts up close and personal again i think it's awesome the Colts do this i think it's awesome they do it for free grand park is a great facility so i'm a fan of all of that but what are we waiting for go ahead announce the schedule boom um anyways august 19th colts and bears at home in the preseason okay so week one they're at buffalo for their uh, preseason opener week two that saturday the 19th they got the bears and then week three is philadelphia on thursday the 24th so you only have three preseason games Uh, which is the second straight year of that. If they follow the similar pattern of years past, Eddie, I would guess that the joint practices with the Bears would be August 16th and 17th. That would be a Wednesday and a Thursday. Jim Irsay mentioned on Twitter last night, or actually I think it was over the weekend, that those would be evening practices. What's the definition of evening? Is it four to six? Six o'clock? I feel like most years the joint practices have been in that four to six range. Maybe it would be a six to eight sort of practice. I don't know. But again, this is why we'd like to see the schedule. Um, So normally, Wednesday, Thursday, you have those joint sessions. And then that Saturday, Eddie, you typically don't play a lot of guys in the preseason game, remember? Mm -hmm. So the bummer of all of this is if you are a season ticket holder, you have one home preseason game, and there's a chance they might not play a whole lot of their starters. Now, I think there is a question, though, of like, how much do you play Anthony Richardson in the preseason? How much do you play Minshew in the preseason? For what it's worth, you only have three quarterbacks on the roster. Are you playing Sam Ellinger four quarters? Three quarters? So I do think those are some questions that still need to be answered. The next week, again, you play Philly on Thursday the 24th. It sounds like just one joint practice with Philadelphia. That would be the 22nd. That would be Tuesday, the 22nd. That would, of course, be in Philly. So, finally, the Colts are not hosting every single joint session, which... Oh, man, that's a big yawn. There's no hide in that. I just had to get that one out. Apologies on that front. Um, It just looks like one. And that'll be on the road, leading into that Thursday night game. And that's an Amazon primer, right? Yes. The only primetime game they've got. That's it. So right now, if I'm making a calendar, this is in pencil, August 16th, 17th, Wednesday, Thursday, joint practices with the Bears here at Grand Park. 19th, that Saturday, home preseason game with the Bears. We'll see how many starters. Then the next week, they go to Philly on the 22nd for a joint practice. That is a Tuesday. And then they play them the 24th to conclude the preseason. Now, Eddie, 
I'm getting way ahead of myself here, and maybe no one cares about this, but there's a lot of people that go to training camp practices, so I think there is a chunk of the audience that, that would care. They might end training camp earlier this year. If I remember correctly, last year's camp went to like the 24th, 25th, 26th. Like you got into one of those final weeks of August. Yeah. Think about it from a calendar standpoint. If you go the Bears the 16th and 17th, and then you play them the 19th, that Sunday and that Monday, there's really no reason to come back up to Grand Park if you're going to Philly for a joint practice on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, you, you got to travel on Monday to get out there for the Tuesday joint practice. Then you play them on the road that Thursday night. Would you really then come back to Grand Park on like August 26th when you haven't been there in a week and have a final week of camp there? When the no, kids are I already back in school? Yeah, I would not. Again, I could be wrong on that, but I'm just trying to give people a little bit of an idea of what the schedule could play out. Um, you know, kids go back to school seemingly earlier and earlier every year, so the crowds, you know, late July, early August are always typically the best crowds. And we'll see about morning, afternoon, evening practices. You know, Ursay's tweet said there'd be two other evening practices besides the Bears ones, and then there'd be a Sunday afternoon practice. So, based off that tweet, I would guess practices will mostly be the morning or like late morning around lunchtime, mm-hmm. and then not a lot of weekend practices. If he's promoting the evening and the one weekend one, I tend to think there won't be a lot of three o'clock Saturday afternoon practices. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Now, again, you're only up there for a couple of Saturdays because you play Saturday the 12th, Saturday the 19th. Um, so. We'll see when the schedule gets announced. I feel like it's usually kind of early to mid-June, so we could be getting it somewhat soon. But um, I like the idea of multiple joint sessions. I like the idea of doing it with coaches you're familiar with. Obviously, Philly is a great test. Um, But I am very interested what preseason playing time looks like. Because if you follow the script of typical joint practices, you don't really play your starters Uh in those games. So that means would you play them a lot against Buffalo, August 12th, the first preseason game? And then what do you do? Like, Ryan Kelly would probably be at the top of the list of a guy you don't play in the preseason. If Anthony Richardson starting week one, is he going to get Wesley French, Danny Pinter reps? Mm-hmm. That's it? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Welcome to June 5th, Kevin Bowen's brain, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, I can't blame you for being right there either. Anything uh, OTA-wise, Eddie? Joint practice-wise, before we get to the Bernard Ryman? Uh, When you say it was the worst that you've seen Anthony Richardson look, how so? Yeah. um, I'm figuring, I figured there are people being like, okay. Sure, sure, sure. And and thank you for allowing me to clarify. I also want to mention, like, you know, I've seen him in probably six or seven 11-on-11 sessions now, six or seven seven 7-on-7. And if I had to rank them one to thirteen, that was the thirteenth. I don't want to act like he has been bad because I yeah. don't think he has been bad. I, I think he's been pretty steady and pretty. Again, a thing that I kind of like about Richardson is I've seen moments of quick rhythm, get the ball out quickly, which I feel like is a, it's a, it's always a good fallback option to have. You know, can you play the Philip Rivers game? Can you play the death by a thousand paper cuts? Um, we know he can flash. Can you do the other stuff? And I feel like he does. Okay, in the one seven on seven, I probably have to go back and almost look at my notes. But I distinctly remember there was kind of a comeback route where him and I'm trying to think of who the second team wideout or tight end would have been. And the ball was probably two to three yards like 
off. So that was some sort of miscommunication, misaccuracy that, like, on a six-yard comeback route, yeah, I don't typically see a ground ball that off. Yeah. And then again, this is seven on seven where you don't have an offensive line. You're usually seven on seven. The percentages is like 90%. I mean, it's, you know, there's no pass rush. You can scramble. You can keep plays alive, all that. And then the second play, he scrambled the world out to his left and just ended up having to throw a ground ball. Um, so, you know, again, part of it was him. Part of it was certainly his pass catchers as well, just not on the same page. Um, and it was just kind of unlike any session we have seen so far from him. I don't recall if this was, I don't think it was the same session, but he did throw one ball in traffic where either Blackman or Flowers probably should have picked it off. It was one of those where there were too many DBs there. It was too chaotic for the yeah. DB to pull in the interception. Uh, but besides that, I thought I thought he had a nice day. Um, again, the two-minute drill was, was really sound and solid and got into field goal range. And honestly, it wasn't even a two-minute drill. It was more like a minute five, minute ten. Sort of drill there, and they had plenty of time to spare and everything. So, uh, continue to see the jovialness, man, the energy he brings. Uh, that is very apparent when you're watching him in practice. And I haven't seen anything too alarming. I did the same sort of nerdy routes versus air thing that I was telling you about. Or you can like jot, I like jot down in my notebook one to ten scale ball placement. Yeah. And I mean, consistent eight, nine, tens. I mean, Every seventh rep, it's a five or a four of just the ball was like back shoulder and the running back had to make a really impressive catch just to even catch it. But, you know, that has been pretty consistent. Like in stride, guys can catch, can make some plays after the catch. So, um, yeah, so far, and what I've seen, so good. Good. Bernard Ryman time? Yep. All right, before we get to Twitter questions, just a handful this week. Bernard Ryman with us. This was a couple weeks back, I think right after actually the schedule announcement. So, you know, a decent amount of Frankfurt, Germany uh, questions. In here. The thing about Ryman that I appreciate, Eddie, he thinks before he answers. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that's a quality of, like, the European culture, but we just say shit. Like, he thinks, and I really appreciate him doing that. It might not be, like, the most energetic you know, whatever, pouring my emotion into every answer. But at least you know it's thoughtful. But I get a genuine thought, I feel like, every time you ask Bernard Ryman a question. Again, one of the most important Colts, in my opinion, this season. Here's Bernard Ryman on our morning show a few weeks back. Half past eight in Indianapolis. For that matter, it's half past eight everywhere in the Eastern time zone. My name is Jake Quarry. Kevin Bowen here as well. Sam Fritz in for Mark Dykton today. Shortly after the NFL draft, I can't recall exactly what point in the season it was, Kevin, when we had on Bernard Ryman. I feel like it was right around a year ago. I think that's right. Like this time. He was obviously a recently drafted offensive lineman out of Central Michigan when we had him on. And because his native country is that the same of Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, we actually had him record this audio for us. Here we go. And guess what, Kevin? He fulfills his uh, his prophecy this morning, right? Words turned into action. Bernard Ryman, that was arguably our favorite clip on this radio show. We are happy to have you back here on this Friday morning. Thank you. Oh, good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, your emotions, Bernard. I, I was in the media room the other day, and when someone asked you about the game in Frankfurt, Germany, I have never seen a smile so big in my life. Uh, your emotions when you got word that the Colts will be heading to Frankfurt, Germany this coming season? Yeah, this was just an unbelievable feeling. I mean, um, texting my family right away, they were all over the moon about it. 
and it's just an, you know, I can't even describe the feeling. We are all super excited and we can't wait. Okay, give us a little bit of geography here. Okay, Frankfurt, Germany is how close to your hometown in Austria? Um, well, it's probably like a seven-hour drive, so it's definitely doable. Um, obviously, a flight would be a lot quicker, but um, I would say both is definitely possible. And yeah, definitely closer than flying all the way um, across the ocean to come here. So <laughs> they're all super excited. Does it make you, it's going to sound crazy, does it kind of make you nervous? Because you always want to perform well. But if all of a sudden you realize that now you've got people that are making that drive to come see specifically you, and if it does make you nervous, how is that different than the pressure that I'm sure you put on yourself to simply perform last year? Um, I mean, I don't think it's it's very different to any of the other games. Um, obviously, you always want to perform your best um, for your team, not just for the people who are watching. But I've also had a great support system in my family that the last you know a couple of years, like in college and also last season, they've always you know stayed up late to watch the games on TV or recorded the games and you know, watch it the following day or something. So I always knew they were watching, and I don't think this will be much different then. Bernard, there was so much scrutiny of your, because of the position you play in particular, and I think that a lot of people forget that Anthony Costanzo, who for the most part was the last pillared left tackle, um, he worked really hard, and it took him a while, and it probably was year two or three before he started to show that, in fact, yes, he, he was the staple at that position. You definitely made strides as a rookie. I'm curious from your standpoint, at what point in the season did you finally get that feeling of comfort where you were just going in and doing your job as opposed to having your head on a swivel at all times? Um, That's kind of tough to say obviously um struggle in the beginning but um with the the Patriots game it still didn't go the way I wanted it to but there were still um times where I was like okay I got this and I um I always, I always knew I could do it but then you know being able to see it on film that you can actually do it is this um you know reassuring so um probably around like after Patriots game on it it felt more comfortable and then and every game from there on out it just became more comfortable um build up more and more chemistry you know um playing next to Q and um just overall um the the game slowed down a little bit so and that definitely made it easier. He's heading into year two. Bernard Ryman, number 79, joining us here on the Payless Liquors hot, Hotline. Bernard, I want to go back to your family seeing you play here for just a second. Uh, obviously, it's super expensive to just travel over the States and watch you play. Uh, you throw in COVID on top of that, and it's been quite the challenge uh, for your family to see you play. Do you mind sharing? I think you said that your dad came over for one game last year, but the last time that your family has seen you play was was when um well yeah so besides my dad coming last year um last time they saw me play was when i played for the vienna vikings um so i was in austria um we played like the the national championship in austria um you know won the game so it was like really exciting good send-off i would say and yeah, that was really the, the last time, you know, before I then headed over to college and the NFL. Then 
that they were all together watching a game. You want to throw in a little humble brag about maybe what you did in that game? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Uh, they scored a touchdown, so that was that was a little cherry on top. Jake, you could you know maybe go into Shane Steichen's offense. Isn't didn't Anthony Costanzo catch a touchdown in a game? Maybe a Danny Pinter. <laughs> I, you know, I think a little tackle eligible right, coming yeah. up here. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Right. And Frank, I'll definitely have to talk to him about that. <laughs> the, the, you know, Bernard Bernard Ryman is our guest. When you came in and you were drafted, and you had to know this, right? You're at one of those positions that just always has a spotlight on it, and that spotlight burnt pretty bright on you last year and there was conversation at the beginning of the year I don't think anybody doubted your your skill but maybe people doubted whether or not you were ready to immediately be able to display that skill was there ever a point where and be honest I mean was there ever a point where you your confidence was rattled or just you started to feel that chatter I mean obviously like Playing in this league, you 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 know going into it that that it's always going to be you know a lot of talk about you and your your ability to play, and you you're trying to you know the best as you can to stay away from it and not let it affect you. But you're always going to listen to it a little bit. Um, but then it's just that much more important to have that you know support system around you. Um, for me, it was you know my fiance, my my family, and then my teammates here who really helped me me through that. Okay, Bernard Ryman is with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. You brought up the Patriots game earlier from last season, and I, I found it really interesting, Bernard, that you know you, you, you start against Denver on Thursday night football, like you said, didn't go well. You didn't play the next couple of weeks. I think you played a little bit in that Jacksonville game. Um, but then you started against New England. Frank Wright gets fired. Jeff Saturday comes in. And Jeff Saturday was pretty adamant that he was sticking by you. And I, I'm curious, I know he's no longer, you know, the, the, the coach, but curious what your interactions were with Jeff and, and him kind of sticking by you and, and going through your natural rookie development, growing pains, everyone to label it. Uh, what, was, what was his message to you during that time? And I believe you played every single snap the rest of the season after he took over. Yeah, I mean, Coach Saturday, I mean, he's a just a great guy on and off the field. It was a huge honor to get to work with him. And, you know, obviously he gave me a lot of pointers here and there, but I think ultimately it was just the fact that, you know, he kept believing in me. Um, that really made a difference for me, for me personally. And, you know, knowing that you have someone like him in your corner is just a, a great feeling and definitely helped me play my game. I know Chris Boward was hoping that you'd put on a little bit of weight postseason. I think you said the other day that you've put on 15 to 20 pounds. I've done the same over the last couple of years. <laughs> I'm curious what what your regiment looked like in putting on that weight versus mine. Um, I mean, we just have a, a great system here at the at the Colts. I mean, from nutritionists to you know weight room staff, they've been helping me tremendously. Of just you know putting a plan together and you know, helping me out in every way possible. And all I had to do was just stick to it. So it made it pretty easy on me. Hey, I'm curious about this, Bernard. I assume I have this stereotype in my mind. Stereotypes are dangerous, I realize. (laughs) I have this thought in my mind that if you grow up in Europe, you grew up in Austria, that like you've just been everywhere in Europe. You know what I mean? That like it's like the United States. Like, oh yeah, I've been to Kentucky, I've been to Ohio, and you're like, yeah, I've been to Germany, I've been to France, I've been to, you know, all over. 
So I guess the first question I would ask is, is that true that you have or have you ventured around to a lot of different European countries? Um, I would say so to a decent um, number, okay. um, at least. My family has always, you know, made sure to, you know, show me around um, and taken me places, which I'm really grateful for. So if I'm curious of this. I'm basically just taking advantage of having you on the radio to ask you a personal question. Uh, if I was going to go over there, and for example, if, if people were wanting to go to the Colts game in Frankfurt and then pair it with maybe going somewhere else and seeing as much as they can right while they're there, um, the two countries I'm curious about, and I wanted you to tell me if they're cool or if they suck, okay, um, if <laughs> you've been right. to them, Belgium and Luxembourg, are either one of them worth going to? Um. <laughs> this is embarrassing, but I've actually been to neither of them, so um, probably not the best person to ask. Okay, um, how about Austria? I imagine Austria is pretty cool, right? It is. It is. I mean, any any time you go, really, go in the summertime, doing like all the the sightseeing and everything, and then the wintertime skiing, snowboarding. It's just it's huge in Austria, and it's really for me personally one of the most beautiful places you can go to in Europe. And then. Germany, it's, uh, again, I, I apologize for my naivete here, but how similar are the Austrian and German cultures? I mean, I would imagine very much so, but is there like almost a rivalry between the two? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the language is the same. Um, food is similar. I mean, obviously a lot of history together. But there's always this, you know, rivalry between, you know, national teams and sports and in any category, you know, at the Olympic Games or in like the soccer teams and now more and more so the American football teams of the two countries. So um, I would definitely say there's a little little rivalry there, but still all in good. What's the um, food that somebody has to get? A, a Colts fan's going to go. They're going to go watch you guys play in Frankfurt. What is absolutely the thing they have to get? Um... I would definitely say a, a schnitzel is, is something to get. Okay. Maybe a beer as well? <laughs> Just kind of curious for my own 15-pound diet here, Bernard. Yeah, that, I, I would definitely say that's um, something that most tourists get too. Okay. Tourists was the key yeah. word there. Uh, Bernard Ryman's with us. Bernard, last one for me. You mentioned that you and your fiance obviously have called Indy home, I guess, now for about a year. Uh, what do you like about Indianapolis and, uh, I guess, your new home here? I mean, I think just Indiana in general is always felt home for me because it was similar to Austria. Um, you know, the, the city of, of Indianapolis is not too big. You still get to go. You can go around. You still find parking, <laughs> which is nice. And just all the historic buildings downtown um, are awesome to watch. I mean, my fiance and I, we always try to go downtown or in in Sionsville, Carmel, um, you know, go out to dinner or just walk around. And I, I just think it's a, it's a beautiful state. And, yeah, we, we love the um, how it's more relaxed than some, some other states. Beautiful roundabouts, too, Bernard, in that, in that part. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Definitely something you have to get used to, but it, they're definitely working. Okay, so, Bernard, here's what we need you to do, because you were so good with the Schwarzenegger impersonation the first time around, but we're going to add a, a little wrinkle we're, to we're it. We're going to ask him yeah. to to do this. So, so here's what we need, Bernard, on the way out. If you could, could you do this? Because you, your pause was just flawless on the I'm Bernard Hollywood-like. Ryman. Hollywood-like. 
and then the pause, and then you say, I'll be back, which it, and it was all great. Can you do the same thing again, but then this time, after the I'll be back, you got to pause again and then say, again, so that next time we have you on, we can say that you fulfilled it again. Can, can we get you to do that real quick? Yeah, we can do that. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Three. I hope he doesn't say never. <laughs> the the oh return gosh. acting oh, of Bernard Ryman. Bernard, the, the floor is yours. I'm Bernard Ryman, and I'll be back again. Yes! Yes! Unbelievable. There you go. Wow. There you go. Bernard, if your development uh, continues in year two like it has here with those audio endings for our interviews, (laughs) boy, just start making the bust in Canton for him. Uh, Outstanding, Bernard Ryman. And uh, genuine congrats. Uh, Again, seeing your smile the other day when you were talking about it, um, I can only imagine how much it means to uh, be playing a game as close as you're going to get probably to your home uh, home country. So congrats on that. Yeah. Have a healthy season and appreciate this time. Thank you so much. That is Bernard Ryman right there, number 79 for the Colts. Just a tremendous, what a tremendous sport. That was Bernard Ryman, and I cannot stress this enough, Eddie, how freaking cool that must have been for him to see the Colts playing in Frankfurt, Germany. Yeah, I wonder how many uh, requests specifically he got immediately after that was announced. And you know what? I need to check in on that. I meant to do that. I need to check in on... Because I have heard the Colts were going to get an allotment. Not a... You know, they got a... I believe for the game in Wembley, they got a thousand to use and a thousand to sell. Now, again, that is a, what, a 90,000 seat stadium? Yeah, much bigger. Uh, The one in Frankfurt is 48, I believe. Um, So I think there were some whispers, will the Colts get any? I believe they're going to get some... But I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. And we might have a Colts play, maybe a captain, join us on the morning show this week. So if we do that, we'll toss that into next week's podcast. Some Zaire Franklin action? Potentially, potentially a little Zaire Franklin action. Uh, unless you've got something else to add, Eddie, let's do Twitter questions. Jay is up first with Julian Blackman playing uh, some slot last year at the end of the year and now going to strong safety partially because of his slot play. How are the following players affected? Rodney Thomas II, Nick Cross, Kenny Moore, and who do you think is the best fit at free safety to start the season? Yeah, Ironically, there was a Jason that was very curious about this as well. So Jay, I think that's a good question. I appreciate you kind of laying it out like that. First off, let me start here with Blackman, Eddie. By the end of his rookie contract, he will have experienced a handful of games that theoretically at strong safety, free safety, slot, and he played outside corner at Utah. Yep. That's a very attractive piece to have when you are dressing guys out on game day, when you can only dress 46. So that adds to the Blackman advantage. And I get it. The injury history is there, and you can't ignore that. You know, Rodney Thomas, I think last year showed, and clearly he's getting the first look here as kind of that center fielder type guy. Now, Gus Bradley doesn't necessarily you know, outright center fielder for the for the whole game, but he's going to be your kind of cover free safety. Blackman to me would be your strong. I like Kenny Moore in the slot. I mean I mean I think that's his best fit is probably how I should put it. I know last year in my opinion Eddie, if you were going to say who was the Colt that disappointed the most last season? I think it's Kenny Moore. Yes. I think once you go public with a contract situation like he did, right or wrong, you just draw more attention to yourself. Um, you know, Matt Ryan was just old, and sure, there were maybe some guys on the offensive line that I think all the offensive linemen went down a letter grade. That's how I kind of view it. You know, was Quentin Nelson a D? No, but he wasn't an A+. You know, I think everyone just kind of went down a letter grade with that O-line unit. 
Um, you know, as far as Cross is concerned, part of me thinks this is a little bit of a coaching element of like, dude, we. I don't think they handed him the starting job last year, but they gave him every opportunity to go and win that starting job. Oh, yeah. And now it's like, you've got to earn it. Like, flat out earn it. And you've got to do it with that second unit. And again, we, we've been out there for two days so far. So maybe there is a day where, you know, whatever, Blackman is out and he gets an opportunity for those strong safety reps. But, you know, Eddie, there is some odd man out with Thomas Blackman and Cross. I mean, somebody's got to be the third of that of that trio there. I understand the curiosity with Cross because Eddie, they traded a future third round pick for him. Yep. I mean, that was a big deal to get back into the third round and select him in 2022. Um, now he's still young. I mean, hell, he's probably, I mean, he's got to be one of the younger guys on the roster still um, because he was such a young rookie. So um, I'm not at like DEFCON with Cross or anything like that. The coaching staff sent a clear message to him late last year. It is still the second offseason of his NFL career. He's one injury away from probably playing 98% of the snaps yeah. in every game. And look at Rodney Thomas this time last year. You know, it wasn't even thought of of like him being a, a, a definite piece. So I think the thing is just mentally, can he get to a point where they trust him? Um, I think at the bare minimum, I'd like to see him play more on special teams. You know, I, th- I think he did a little bit of that, but then late last year he was like a healthy scratch in a game. Yes. So I, 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 you know, do you tinker with some sub packages and play him a little bit more there? Um, but it seemed like the reaction to Julian Blackman as the starting strong safety all of a sudden turned to like Nick Cross's career is over, and I'm like, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I'm like, guys, let's all, you know, just pump the brakes a little bit here. We're early into year two. I mean. Early in Julian Blackman's year two, people were ready to put him all pro. Things can change in, in a in a hurry. So he's gonna have to earn it. And I get that. And we're also into our, you know, fourth viewing period of the entire spring. Yeah, I was about to say, plus, I mean, it's only OTAs. It's not training camp or mini camp or the preseason. So And you know what? You are a Rodney Thomas turned ankle away from there you go, Nick Cross. Here's five days of practice. Yeah. Show us something. And that's very, very valuable um, to him. You talked about it earlier with the video uh, with Anthony Richardson. This Twitter question comes from Saul. Uh, Did the Colts tell media that they weren't allowed to film Richardson? I'm seeing all these quarterback videos from other teams. It's honestly somewhat concerning as a Colts fan. I know the Colts want to manage expectations better this year, but I feel like we have no clue on how he's looking. Thanks, Saul, for the question. Um, I feel like the line that Saul just said there, I know the Colts want to manage expectations, could not be truer. I mean, imagine that and times it by 10. I mean, they want to temper big time. As far as what we're allowed to shoot and what we're not allowed to, I do feel like we are, we've been restricted by like one period that we usually are allowed to film. I remember when Paris Campbell, Eddie, like dazzled at training camp that one year. Is that his rookie year? Yeah. Was his rookie year? I don't know. All the years run together. But some year, Paris Campbell was just torching Colt defensive backs in a red zone drill. I mean, torching them. And so it was one-on-ones. And I I'm, I mean, we were allowed to film it then, and I remember posting it on social media, and it just kind of blowing up. I mean, yeah. you know, spinning guys around in those red zone drills, foot in the ground, creating huge separation, all that. That is not something we're allowed to shoot right now. Like, we have to turn off our cameras when they go routes versus air. So, 
unless I'm missing something, I don't think we're even allowed to show Anthony Richardson completing a six-yard comeback to Alec Pierce right now with with no defensive back on him. Whereas in previous years, I feel like we were allowed to shoot that aspect to it. Um, I'm not one. I have an opinion on this. I'm not one that loves to share my opinion on this because I think there's too many people, frankly, in the media that like get on their high horse about like you know credential this and blah 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 and access this and like I'm just kind of like just tell me what we can and can't do if I find it relevant to share with our audience I will but I'll do my job as the parameters allow yeah me to do my job one bummer of training camp from a media standpoint for fans it's unreal from a media standpoint Eddie is if Maddie Bowen wanted to she could go into the stands at training camp film every single 11-on-11 play, post every single one of them to Twitter, and show up the next day and do the same thing, and the same thing, same thing. Whereas me on the sideline, we have to stop shooting after 20 minutes. We can't film any 11-on-11. That's kind of a bummer. doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense. I don't know how you police it. You know, they do ask. Matt, <laughs> Matt, Matt Taylor gets on the you know loudspeaker and says, you know, for competitive advantages, please refrain from posting 11-on-11 videos. But we all see them. Like, yeah. you know, you just almost wait for those to get posted and then you retweet them and you're like, this was a play I was talking about that I wasn't allowed to film. But here it is from, you know, John Smith from Lebanon. He just posted it. So here you go. Um, yeah, I, I I think that kind of covers everything. Again, I don't want to get like too deep into like the, oh my gosh, we should be able to do this. We don't have enough access. Um the Colts give us really great access. The fact that training camp is open and free to the public and we get to watch every one is awesome. I love that. You know, selfishly for the fans, I think it'd be cool if they could see more video aspect of the 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11. Seven, yeah. I get why they, that they don't. I want to make that pretty clear. And again, I think the routes versus air stuff is pretty harmless. I don't know this for, for true, but again, pre-Richardson, I have evidence of us being able to shoot a little bit more of that stuff. So maybe there is a restriction there. Um, but I guess it goes kind of back to the earlier point, Eddie. I mean, I, I filmed one Richardson video. It happened to be his best rep uh, during the viewing period on Friday, and uh, you would have thought I tweeted that Andrew Luck was returning to football. <laughs> Don't say that. I mean, it was just absurd how much that took off there. So um, I guess I don't pay as much attention to other teams, but I would guess that other teams probably watch or get to show maybe a little bit more of OTAs, but I, I don't think a ton more than that. I've seen some Stroud clips. I've seen some young in, clips. In 7-on-7s? Seven 11-on-11s? Uh, it looks more 1v1. Okay, so the 1v1, again, we used to be allowed to show that, and we are not right now. So I, I understand. Um, or just wide receivers running the route with yeah, quarterback with no throw. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. I've Again, seen we're that. not allowed to. Because I always enjoy that just to like, oh, here's Anthony Urshan throwing to a dude that's not one of the equipment guys. And yeah. I love the equipment guys, and Frog and I love to talk Notre Dame football. But, yeah, it, it's a little different than when it's Alec Pierce or, you know, who and Kylan Granson or whoever. So um, I hope that kind of clears it up because I do feel like I get that question of like, why don't we get to see more or what are you allowed to show? Basically, in years past, you get about a 20-minute period, stretching, positional drills, and then typically some individual sessions. We'll see what happens this year at training camp if that's altered in any way, shape, or form. Um, but it is just kind of weird when you know, you've had people that have pretty big Twitter followings 
that are fans, you know, like they've just created a really nice brand for themselves, you know, a couple thousand Twitter followers and they just go up in the stands and film everyone and they're never going to apply for a credential. So it's not like the Colts can reprimand them. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess you could stand in the sit in the stands and see who's filming and who's not and be like, please don't post that. Like, <laughs> you know, that seems like a lot of policing to do. Please delete this off your phone right. and I will stand over your shoulder and watch you do it. Exactly. Blue is going to pie you in the face if you do that again. With some shaving cream, yes. <laughs> uh, three Twitter, uh, Twitter questions left. JJ, Chris Ballard preaches competition at all positions but awarded starting jobs to the five preseason offensive linemen last season with no apparent competition. He appears to be doing the same thing this year, awarding the starting left tackle job to Bernard Ryman because he improved after a disastrous start last year. Am I missing something, or is there even a plan B? Well, I think Blake Freeland would be the plan B. Um, you know, as of June 5th here, late morning, Eddie, nothing on the offensive line. You know, I remember going back to the Combine, and I mean that from a free agent edition standpoint. I remember going back to the Combine and asking Chris Ballard, do you feel like the offensive line issues were personnel-based or coaching-based last season? Ballard didn't really answer the question. As we sit here on June 5th, Eddie, his actions are vivid, are, are crystal clear. Yeah. His actions say they were coaching-based. Because, again, what personnel have they done? They drafted Freeland around four. They signed Dakota Shepley, off, or they claimed him off waivers from the Cowboys. I mean, unless I'm missing somebody, nothing from a personnel standpoint. So, sometimes you ask questions to know that the actions will answer them eventually, but you're curious if the words will answer them as well. Yeah. The words said nothing at the time. The actions three months later have said everything to me. That they feel like last year there were co- – now, this is where I could hear people in their cars right now saying, well, why wasn't Chris Strasser fired earlier then? You know, okay, that's that's a fair statement. Um, I guess he never technically was fired. It was more of a, hey, Frank Reich's coaching staff is not coming back. Um, but still, I mean, they were so depleted on that side of the ball and the coaching staff, I don't think they could afford to really – Good point. Fire him. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely were 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 down some guys. So that is to me. I mean, I'm gonna write something on Blake Freeland for this week and post it to the site. When I went out there for the OTA, and I guess he was taking team reps this week too. Braden Smith was just an individual. Freeland was the starting right tackle again this past Friday. When you go out there for the first OTA and the O line trots out there, and you're like, okay, Ryman, boom, Nelson, boom, Kelly, boom, Fries, boom. Oh, Freeland. It, it's just and and then all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself I'm jotting that down in my notebook and I'm thinking when you're starter at left tackle who's played three years of left tackle in his entire life and you guys just heard his voice grew up in Austria and then the right tackle is a rookie again Braden Smith's injury is why that happened but you're one play away from that's got to be the youngest tackle pairing in the entire NFL yeah if that were to happen now again that's an injury that would have to play into it but it goes back to in a month and a half, when we do our most indispensable cult podcast, Braden Smith is going to be really high on the list, and Bernard Ryman should probably be decently high on the list, just because you don't have a, and again, insert your jokes here, you don't have a Matt Pryor, you don't have a Dennis Kelly, you don't have a Joe Wrights, you don't have a Joe Haig. Um, well, he's out there. I'm sure, yes, he is. He is out there. Yeah, my... Fair. I'm trying to think of the other kind of veteran tackles that this team has The Raven had Clark. In a backup role. Sure. Clark. Um, gosh, who was the dude that started early at left tackle a few years ago and it was just awful? Tevy. Uh, oh, yeah. The other one besides Tevy. Davenport. 
none of those are in the building. Davenport, oh my. Yeah, Julian Davenport. So, oh my. And again, a, 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 a lot, you can have that reaction, which is a fair. Davenport gives me the PTSD. Reaction to have, but you've got nobody. Oh, gosh. When you have nobody, that's not good. Uh, Zach's Twitter questions next. Got one more after this. Uh, he wants to know, how is Drew Ogletree's recovery going? Will he be healthy for training camp? I assume... Did that happen? Was it the joint practices that he went down? I don't know. I don't know if it was. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of the, the, the exact day that it was down. Uh, Zaire Franklin, 8 a.m. tomorrow. Look at that. Boom. Shout out, Matt Conti. Thank you. Thank you, Matt Conti. I appreciate that, as always. Terrific. Um, I also enjoy Zaire. You know, I was trying to think of a veteran. I was asking for a kind of a veteran voice that I feel like would be pretty good. It, who else would fall into that category for you, Eddie? I know we're kind of getting into the media weeds of it, but I feel like Zaire Franklin has risen to like, if I had to pick a cult player to be interviewed on the radio show, I would want him arguably more than anybody. Forrest Buckner. Buckner, good. I, I like Ryan Kelly. I'd throw him there as well. I mean, certainly name recognition, Richardson, Taylor, Leonard, you know, Nelson. I, I, I get that they all have bigger names, but... You don't get much out of Q either. No, you don't. You don't. I think Zaire is usually pretty good. In that end, um, okay, I'm off on a tangent. Drew Ogletree. Yeah, it's a little vague on that. I, I I would guess the first day of camp. You know, typically in the spring, anybody that has any sort of nick is just out. I mean, it's a long. Li- I mean, I I put the list in the story. It's a. I mean, right now on offense, you don't have Taylor, you don't have Pittman, you don't have Downs, you don't have Jelani Woods, you don't have. Ogletree. Ogletree. You don't have, I guess, Braden Smith participated, but didn't do team. Defensively, you are pretty healthy, though. No Missy Juju. Leonard, who? Juju. Juju Brents, good call. Isaiah Rogers, it's not one we've seen yet. So, yeah, uh, much healthier, I guess, on defense and you're on offense. So, it is something to note, Eddie. You look at the tight end position right now. What a great opportunity for Granson. Uh huh. I mean, you're missing three of your top five. I put Mo Alley, Cox, and Granson kind of in that top five group, but, you know, with Mallory, and, and it's a bummer for Mallory. I mean, you miss the whole spring, potentially. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that's a competitive group. I'm not saying he's going to get cut, but we'll have to see how that plays out. No Darius Rush, by the way, on, on Friday, and I thought that. I thought this was a huge spring for him to. He was out there the previous week. He had a pick six. I thought this was a huge spring for him to potentially have 13 11 on 11 periods that Juju Brents wasn't getting. So we'll watch. I think it was a hamstring for uh, Darius Rush. We'll uh, we'll watch that on Wednesday. Who are the two? How are the two practice squad candidates looking? Titus Leo and um... uh, Wit. Yep. Yeah. Um, fine. Uh, you know, for the most part, them. I throw Jalen Jones into that group. It's like third. Team-ish. Yeah, maybe Witt's gotten a second teamer, but yeah, that's pretty much where they've been. Um, Really, the only rookies, I noticed Rush week one, Freeland, of course, you know, Brents is out, Downs is out, Richardson speaks for itself. Haven't noticed a ton of Daniel Scott. Haven't noticed, and it's tougher with defensive linemen or offensive linemen, but out of Tamiwa. Out of Barre. Out of Barre, I have not seen uh, either, so... And, you know, to be totally fair, Eddie, these practices are a little bit quick. There are some moments that I'm like, oh, shoot, I haven't seen Emil Echior in, in the entire day. And, like, I didn't look for, you know, like, yeah. I, 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 
They're just not guys you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, that's why, like, when training camp, when you have, like, three or four days in a row, it's like, oh, good. Now I can put eyes on this player and watch him for a little bit more there. So, Last Twitter question comes from Tyler. He wants to know, or first he says, hey, KB, any update on Rigoberto Sanchez's rehab status? I think he is a piece that we'll be very fortunate to have back. Cannot forget about those punters. Thanks, as always, Kevin and Daddy. Have a great week. I appreciate that, Tyler. You do the same. Um, yeah, doing some punting. Kicking balls. Um, kicking some balls, not participating yet in the practices, but you know, good to see him kicking. And I did ask him, and I go, I don't know, this might be a dumb question. Is it better that it was your kicking leg versus your plant leg? And he said, yes. Definitely better that this happened to his kicking leg versus the plant, which he puts a lot of weight on. And, you know, of course he's planting. I mean, he's planting when he's punting, but more than anything, he's planting when he's kicking off. I do feel bad for him about the kickoff rule. I do, too. You know, I, feel I like think he's he is, really good at the coffin corner. Oh, he's so good at that outstanding at that so you know it looks like he's gonna be good and for what it's worth and i know that these guys are out on the open market but eddie right now the backup is a backup kicker they have an extra kicker not named matt gay at camp he is a kicker not a punter so you know if you were really worried about sanchez bleeding into camp season wouldn't you go out and find like a version of matt hawk and and you know, just have that additional punter in your building right now. Because I do think that would be, you know, somewhat attractive. If you're a free agent punter and you're like, oh, wow, I can maybe punt in Indy for a month or two mm-hmm. months before Rigoberto Sanchez gets back, that could be attractive. But, you know, he tore that sometime in August, right around those preseason games. So, you know, we are approaching, I guess, 10 months on that. But it seems like things are pointing in a positive direction there. So we talked about uh, the management or the tampering of expectations uh, earlier. Do you think, now this is just my brain, just being my brain here. Oh boy. Do you, do you think they already broke the chair once? Do do you think they have strategically ran out the quarterbacks in which they have with the media being there? I think it's an outstanding question. Outstanding question. Um, because one could look at it as, oh, they were splitting reps last week. This week it was all Gardner. So Gardner's, you know, kind of taking the first team offense right now by the horns. I don't think so, but I don't know. Um, you know, last week, to your point, and I, I guess I mean this two weeks ago, the first OTA open view and we got, Richardson took more starting reps than uh, Minshew. Yep. I think it was eight to four. Obviously, last week it was. Eight to zero. Richardson did take more overall reps. I think part of that was his two minute drill lasted a little bit longer than Minshew's, but I don't think so. But I, it's a game you could play for sure. Now after Wednesday, or I guess after this week, Eddie, we can watch the entire mini camp next week. We obviously can watch every training camp practice. So the media is out there for every single Colts practice starting next week until they break camp at Grand Park. Yeah. And, and we're still out there, of course, and they go back to their facility, but we don't watch the team. They get in a regular season mode. So, you know, after this week, which we still get one day, we get Wednesday, we will be able to watch every single practice until probably late August. So we'll get to watch the next 15 to 20 practices. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, nothing you can really hide on that end. Uh, okay, anything else for you? I don't think so. All right, everybody have a great week. Thank you to Bernard Ryman for that. Zaire Franklin sounds like next week. I'm thinking next Wednesday-ish. So they minicamp Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday often is kind of a lighter day for the minicamp. I've got some stuff to do Thursday afternoon, so let's do a Wednesday 
late afternoon pod if that works for you. That works for me. Um, or do we still have an NBA Finals going by the time we reconvene next Wednesday? So game 5 is Monday, right? Game 5 would be Thursday, the 15th. Game or no, five. that's Game 6. Game 5 is Monday, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't see either of these teams winning. Well, yeah, I don't think I see either of them winning three in a row. But again, the winner of Game 3 just puts oodles of pressure on the opponent for Game 4. Oh, 100%. Whoever, whoever wins that. Impressive by the Heat. They are, I said this morning, they are the weed that I have never been able to kill in the yard. I'm like, mother, I swear, I've sprayed you, I've ripped you out of the ground, I've done everything in your back. They are the 13-year-old pimple. Yeah. I swear, I popped you, I've soaped you every night, I've done everything, and, you know, Jessica Smith will not talk to me because of that. <laughs> they're there, man. They're just, they're just, they're everywhere. And the undrafted guys. You know, I was saying to a buddy of mine this this weekend who, you know, played college basketball, played college basketball at a very high level. I'm like, the only way Miami gets back in the series is Jimmy Butler does crazy. Jimmy Butler didn't even do crazy last night. No. 21-9. I mean, like, he had a good game, but it was Vincent for four quarters. It was Struess out of the gate. It was Robinson in the fourth. Those undrafted dudes have no fear. Zero. And typically with those guys, you would have fear. Or at least you would think, but. Darn impressive. Uh, yes, uh, I say uh, my original prediction was Nuggets and five. Oh, I'm gonna stick with still it. Still alive. I'm gonna stick with it. But I, but I'm like nervous. the Bee Gees. I'm nervous. All right, Eddie Garrison. Have a great week. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.